Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the podcast, Super Friends. Five podcast producers from across North America get together to discuss podcasting. It's another edition of the podcast Super Friends, and we are live uh, in many, many time zones today. But we'll bring everyone in here and, and say hello. Um, in fact, we're gonna. There's even more people coming. You're not even gonna believe this, because um, he's late. We don't even know where he came from. But now we're, we're all here. Wow. Uh, he we're lives. Here. He does. Hi, everybody. I apologize for my lack of voice. I'm just back from an alumni weekend in Syracuse yelling in a college bar for three straight nights, but I would not miss this for the world. <laughs> well, he joins us uh, 10 seconds into the show, and it's great to, it's great to see you, Jag. I'm Matt Kundal. I am the uh, owner of the Sound Off Media Company, coming to you from Malaga, Spain. Mm. Bueno. Johnny Podcast has turned into a test pattern. but <laughs> I love it, yeah. I love this new camera. <laughs> All right. <laughs> While Johnny's figuring that out, I'm Catherine O'Brien, admiring these beautiful colors on the test screen, and I'm uh, here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and my company is Branch Out Programs. I'm Johnny Podcast, coming from Fort Worth, Texas, and I'm testing out a DSLR camera, running into a cam link, so hopefully get some better video. So if it does cut out, that's the first time I've ever seen it do that, so ignore me. And if you're listening on audio, you have no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, I'm David Diaz in Boston, pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcast, where we create and produce podcasts for local businesses and national businesses and international businesses and nonprofits. Excellent. And your voice is a little bit raspy. Uh, where were you? So I was at the annual uh, alumni banquet for WJPZ Syracuse, which is the station that is run exclusively by Syracuse University students. We celebrated 50 years on the air, had about 200 people uh, in Syracuse, New York. And that tells you dedication, going to Syracuse, New York in the first week in March in a snowstorm. But uh, we had a wonderful time uh, and it was uh, it was an incredible event. It's been a big month for you, too, uh, Jack. Can you give the uh, podcast a plug as well? Yeah, sure. So um, I was actually recognized for a podcast that I helped put together called WJPZ at 50, where we did, uh, we're still actually cranking out episodes now. It's a podcast series commemorating the radio station, interviewing the alumni of the radio station from the 1970s to the 2020s. It's been a real labor of love, and it's been a lot of fun to connect people and tell everybody's stories. So whatever year you went to Syracuse, you learned about what students in other decades dealt with. Wow. Well, as a great man once said, radio, someone still loves you. <laughs> so I can tell you 200 people in Syracuse that still do so 
So we'll start off the show today. We'll let uh, Johnny, who put this out, he gave us a little preview last night about the uh, podcast pyramid. And I I had to title the episode a little bit differently than just calling it the podcast pyramid, because then it's going to sound like everyone's going to want to get in on this scheme. So I I titled it slightly differently and then realized, well, aren't isn't that what a pyramid scheme is supposed to be is to lead you to some form of success. But um, I'll let Johnny explain the uh, the podcast pyramid that he's created. Matt, I think you read my Substack because that was the first line. I said, this ain't a pyramid scheme, but it is a pyramid. So I was think I was just writing the Substack post yesterday. And I, I don't know, I've had a lot of conversations with people talking on Twitter, seeing people talk online about what, what is kind of the most important thing in podcasting or when they start a podcast. And unfortunately, you know, this is a thing that we all deal with is it, it always comes down to money. They're like, I want to get into podcasts. I want to eventually monetize. I know I promise you guys, it's not my first, it's not my first goal. It's not my first goal, but it's, it's my second goal. It's my third goal. <laughs> it's my and, secret goal. And then I tell them, okay, well, have you thought about what, you know, do you have any kids? Do you have a camera? Do you have microphones? Do you have headphones? Like, what are you going to talk about? Who are you going to talk about it with? And they go, I, I, I don't know. And so I was like, okay, I need to just map out in the simplest terms, what is the most important? And we need to talk about building blocks and put this in sort of just a format that's easy for people to understand. So in a typical pyramid, the base layer is the most important thing. And I thought to myself, okay, what is the most important part of a podcast? And ultimately, it's the content. You have to entertain people. You have to educate people. However, you're going to approach the podcast, what you're saying to people is the most important thing. That's why they're tuning in. So that is our base layer is the content. That's why people are tuning in is to hear you talk about x so you've discovered what x is now we need to talk about production that's the next layer of the pyramid production is your microphone your setup the fact that you look and sound good if you don't have those things combined with your content you could be saying the greatest thing in the world people aren't going to want to tune into you because it hurts their ears and there's honestly just too much content out there that's better quality from a production standpoint that they could choose to tune into so we start with our content base we add on top of it a layer of great production and that's how we find our audience the audience is the next level of the pyramid and then within our audience we need to find out who that audience is who's actually coming to my podcast to consume my content where do they hang out online what are their demographics what do they like to do and do they have disposable income? And if so, what level of disposable income do they have? So, okay, so we figured out who's listening to our podcast. Now we step into our marketing. We're talking paid advertising, podcast swaps, trailer swaps, uh, short clips, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, things like that. Because now that we've discovered who's listening to our podcast, we can target where to find more of those people who just haven't discovered our podcast yet. And now we've built up everything in our pyramid except for the top piece. Now we have sponsorships. We have something that we can present to companies who we know fits our audience profile, sees our content and goes, okay, this is actually good content that we would be comfortable putting our brand name behind. It's a high production quality and we're going to be getting in front of the eyeballs and ear holes of the people that we want to be our ideal customers. And that's when you put together your pitch deck uh, where you show them the podcast, look how amazing our content is. You show them the audience, look, it's the exact demographic you're looking for in a customer. You present them the terms. You say, look, we're going to give you X, we're going to take X number of dollars for you for a time on X number of episodes. And then you rinse and repeat. And so that's a really long-winded answer of saying, I feel like this is a really good structure for how people should approach their podcast, whether they're starting off brand new or they are in the middle of their podcast and they feel like they didn't start off on the right foot. Yeah. 
So I want to apologize because I wanted to share the screen of the podcast pyramid. And then I realized <laughs> that Chrome is not going to let me do it because Chrome has decided to do its own thing today. I don't know how that happened, but whatever. I think I can pull it up on my end. Can I? Yeah. Oh, well, you've got like 10 cameras and, and one <laughs> is actually a test pattern. So you might be able to share it through that. While you're doing that, Johnny, I wanted to pop in and I, I love what you put out on your sub stack about the pyramid and just a little kind of a one thing that stood out to me, especially as you were describing it, is the first two layers of the podcast, the foundation, if you will, are things that people who are considering doing a podcast can start working on right now. So it's those are like pre-planning. Um, now, of course, you can keep bolstering up that foundation the whole time you're doing a podcast, but you know, there's no stopping getting those first two pieces together now. Very true. There it is. Oh, I, tried, oh, I tried Look sharing at this. my screen. I, I have it shared, Matt. I don't know if you have to let like allow me to or technically savvy group here. <laughs> no, no. That no is stops. the improv hey, of a radio jock right there. Right there. There, right there. Go, yeah. there we go. Woo woo. Okay, so without going through the whole spiel again, you can see for those of you watching, you'll see obviously the bottom layer content, then we move up to production, audience, marketing, dollar signs. So I feel like the majority of people kind of have this flip. They spend all their time worrying about how they're going to market this non-existent content that they haven't put any concept into their production. They don't know who their audience is in the hopes that they can are going to make money out of it. Yeah. So if you go into some of the you know Facebook news groups, I mean, I mean, we know that every second question is how do I monetize my podcast and how do I market my podcast, and the bottom of the pyramid has not been addressed yet. Often. Yeah. All right. Correct. Well done, Johnny. Thank you. Should I trademark okay. that? Um, I was wondering if it might have been out of order because that's the kind of thing I go. Well, to. Well, that's right? why. That's what, when you we were when we were talking about like what yeah. what you know what topics do we want to bring to the table for the the podcast today? I was like, I'm super open to arguing over this and being wrong about this, and I. <laughs> Add layers, subtract layers, combine layers, move them around. So if anyone has anything. Yeah, the only one I would move around is marketing first and then audience because okay. I don't know. But at the same time, I, they may actually go. They might be together. This, you know, they might be together because of you know word of mouth. So somebody hears the show and then that becomes your marketing and then you market and – your audience will grow from that. Yeah, because like on one hand, you create the podcast for – an ideal person. You've kind of created this listener in your mind. However, that can change as people start to, as your audience starts to develop, you go, Oh, I actually thought I was making it for X group, but it turns out that Y group is the type of people that are tuning into this podcast. So my thinking there was once you find out who your audience is and who's consistently coming to the show, then you can start to put a little bit of oomph behind marketing more to those types of people rather than the people who you think are going to tune in, I guess. Yeah, I, I that, that's what I was uh, in the same vein. I think that the audience is a little bit further down the towards the foundation because you need to know who they are, mm. what they want and what they need, because we we know that you give people what they want, but you deliver what they need, that kind of concept. So yeah. you can't really I wouldn't want to invest marketing efforts in that until you had those things really solid. Yeah. 
Another good point to make too is that where audience and marketing go together is that one of the top methods of podcast discovery is word of mouth. Word of mouth so yeah. your audience and your marketing are going to work together in that regard too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, my question is, how long does this take? <laughs> Matt always says one to three years to monetize. That's yeah. always Matt's line. Well, I, th I think it's three years to build an audience. Right. But it, to get to that money point, I think it's different for everyone. But let's say I was asking you as a client, Johnny, how long before I see that top of the pyramid? I think it would depend. I, I mean, you know, this is such a cop out, but it's like it depends. Um, so let's let's just kind of let's do an example. Let's do an example show here. So uh, what do we want our podcast to be about, Matt? Um, you know, I had two beers at lunch today. I'm in Spain. I'm, okay. many, I, I'm many beers ahead of everybody. I'm probably not the right person for short snappers today. Catherine, Catherine, what do you want your podcast to be about? Uh, relocating to Spain. Relocating to Spain. Okay, great. So we're going to be we're going to be finding an audience of people who potentially want to leave the country that they're living in to move to Spain. So our content is going to be all about the glorious country of Spain, what there is to do. Maybe we break that. We use episodes to break down all of the different countries and counties and towns in Spain. And then we can dive even deeper and be like, what does the actual real estate market look like here? We can interview people who are realtors in Spain. We can talk to tour guides from Spain, thing like, things like that. So that's going to be the idea for our podcast. So we've got our content. We get you the mics. We've got our production. We know who our audience is going to be. To get all the way up to the, to the money side of things, I would think that you need to... I would agree with Matt. I think you would have to put out at least a year's worth of content unless you are somebody who is already really big in the travel space and you have a lot of connections in Spain, which would make sense if that's kind of what you're leaning towards for your podcast. I think you could get there a lot quicker, maybe three to four to five months. And now you're partnering with who are the big, uh, travel, uh, oh, what's the word? It's a term that used to be a really big thing, a travel guide or like travel a, agent, a, travel, travel, agent. <laughs> travel agencies, oh my. hotels, um, <laughs> restaurant like uh you know tourist attractions in spain realty companies in spain you can privately pitch all of those companies and probably start monetizing relatively relatively quickly uh i would be interested to see how big that audience actually is first but i would say three to four months on the best end eight months to a year on you know a traditional trajectory You'd have to be I, really diligent. We're talking yeah. like you're putting out content so much, brand new content. It's really fresh. You're putting your all into this thing. This isn't some bullshit podcast that you're doing once every quarter and thinking you're going to monetize it. Market is explicit, Matt. I was just about to say, somebody remind me to mark this as explicit. <laughs> I can't help myself. I would point out that you know if you did a year's worth of podcasts, that would be 52 episodes. And from that, you've had 52 meetings with mm. experts in the industry. And from that, you'll get some business that may or may not come out of it. So I think the money can start a little bit before that. Or by the time you, you've had 50 episodes, that's a pretty good marketing network that you've got going. Absolutely. And then on your end, Matt, with the DAI, that's a whole catalog of stuff that you're really ready to just pull the trigger on and sell. You don't have to worry about selling episodes forward. You have everything behind you that you can sell and monetize. Mm. 
Plus, can I throw in here? This is the great time to on those fifty-two episodes that you've done. This you'll get the feedback from your audience, like what worked. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the things, one of the biggest lessons I've learned from podcasting is to double down on the things that are actually working. There's the, there's always that gap between what you think is going to be a hit and what actually hits with people, um, and just being able to see what you get the most response from, the most comments on, the most questions about, and start that it will help you hone in on what your audience really is actually wanting from you. And how would you go about do it? Like, so, you know, we talk about all these different ways to, to communicate with your audience. Like a show that I'm working on now is actually doing an audience poll where for four episodes, he's put a Google form into the episodes to get people to give feedback. I feel like the most surface level thing that people would think of when you say that Catherine is like, which episode is getting the most downloads. And I feel like there's a lot of factors that could play into why an episode gets so many downloads. So what would your recommendations be for people? Uh, Not to be in, in, it depends or, but like depending (laughs) on the podcast, like so there are a couple shows that I work on that I know when you get when the when the host gets emails that's the okay. the thing for us so we actually have a way to email the host in the show notes and when she actually gets the emails that's like a okay now I'm really paying attention because that takes a certain level of opting in where people are actually mm-hmm. doing something. They've had to overcome a couple of uh, barriers to get to that. And that's a so, core listener. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that we're going to listen to that person. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of having your email in there or just creating a Gmail kind of catch-all for the podcast. It's like if you have anything you want to say to the host, questions, whatever, just throw it in that email. And it's important to mention, too, at the end of the episode, not to have too many calls to action. That point that Johnny makes and Catherine makes is really good, that you want to have – you know, email us any feedback or concern. But if you start saying like and rate and review and follow us and email, people are going to lose all of that. So I really think it's wise to have one consistent call to action. And if you're soliciting for feedback, make that your call to action for a handful of episodes, and then you can change it if you want. But really try to keep to one call to action at the end of each episode. Yeah, it's effective. Yeah, they call those the doggy commands. David. Yeah, well, I have a question for Johnny or for the panel or for anyone listening. Uh, it, it's... I think the the pyramid is well um, well crafted, Johnny, and, and I think it it makes sense. So much of what we do is making sure we don't put the cart before the horse, and making sure that you have great content and your your podcast sounds great, gets to the point right away. It has interesting segments, in, interesting guests. Before you start worrying about who's listening, but let's say you're pretty confident in that. So you're in the middle of the pyramid now and you've got an audience and let's say maybe you're getting somewhere between 200 and 300 downloads per episode. And you're starting to hear from people in emails, but you just kind of plateau there, right? You're kind of stuck there. This is what, this is the dilemma I wrestle with time and time again. It's like, then what do you do? And do you go back to maybe I need different content or, uh, you know, I'm doing the marketing things that people say to do. I'm doing the social media. I'm sharing it. So it's, it's, this is obviously an open-ended question. There's not necessarily a right answer, but I don't know, Johnny, maybe you want to start with that. And I think, I think Matt, I think we need to title this episode that it depends episode because, (laughs) because so think about this, like 200 to 300 downloads an episode. If you're getting a lot of email traffic off of that quote unquote small of an audience, that's fantastic. Yeah, I, don't, I yeah. wouldn't change. I would not change my content. If you're getting so much interaction from your listeners off of 200 to 300 listeners, and they're actually emailing you, and it's a significant number of them are doing that, I wouldn't change up your content. I would probably 
double down on who your audience is. Just because it's 200 to 300 people, that doesn't mean that that's the only 200 to 300 people in the world. I think that's when you jump up into the marketing segment of the pyramid and go, okay, we know who's listening. Now, where do we find those people who haven't found the podcast out on the internet? Because they're out there. This Um, episode is brought to you by Depends, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) We're not quite that old, Jack. Um, But I did have a question, by the way. Go ahead, David. no, I was I was just going to say maybe I mean I know that we're talking about the period not necessarily about growing your audience but do, do people I mean the the latest sort of um effective tool that I seem to hear on other podcasts and everything is that if you're doing the social media and and Johnny I think you you once gave a good piece of advice that don't go crazy with social media find a social media channel that seems to work for you where you're getting feedback and stick with that um, so let's, but let's say you're doing that. There, there are always new things that you can do. I've heard the latest is, is really try to promote yourself and, and try to get on other podcasts. That's just that what I was going to say. The new okay. thing is the old yeah. thing. It's, yeah. it's right. You, okay. So you take your 200, 300 people and you say, what other, maybe you email them all back or you call it out and say, Hey, you guys have been really great about emailing me. Let me know what other podcasts you listen to and then try and go get on those podcasts. Cause then if their mm. audience is similar you can now reach, you know, at just as many people who listen to that oh, show. I hadn't heard that before. Over. Okay, so you ask your existing audience what other podcasts they listen to. And yeah, I'm oh. just thinking of this now. This is under the context of like <laughs> they're emailing you like crazy. And so they want to hear back from you. But I would make that call to action. What other podcasts do you listen to? And then I think, uh, um, no, it's different. Never mind. Well, and Matt Matt has a has a tool that he uses, but you know there are there are tools that will say this podcast is similar to this podcast. You can even see it within podcast apps. It's kind of like a you may also like that you know um, at the bottom if you you know whatever podcast you're you're working on, it'll give recommendations for similar podcasts. You know, people who like this one also like this one. The algorithm is working. In radio, we had a term called P1s. Those are your hardcore listeners, your primary one listeners. You think of it as being you're the first preset in their car almost. And then from there, it goes to P2, P3, and so on and so forth. And the phrase was always hug your P1s. Keep them close yeah. to you. Really super serve your hardcore fans. And by talking to them and finding them, you can really uh, find out what they like and expand from there. Uh, there was going to be a little poll question just to find out if we really could be sponsored by Depends. And that's when was the last time anybody used a travel agent? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. I know. Generational collide here. 1998. But they, they still exist. They yeah. do. I, they I, got offered to, I got offered to work at one. I was working at Jamba Juice in high school. And a, a lady, I was working the cash register, and the lady's like, I love the way you just interact with people. Do you want to come work for my travel agency? And I said, what is that? Oh. <laughs> well, now it's YouTube She's still telling that story. Yeah. We, bu- we booked a cruise, and my wife looked at, uh, you know, looked at some travel agent space that she found on YouTubers giving cruises. I don't remember if we booked it on our own or through an agency or not, but she considered it at least. What if we signed up our listeners for a cruise? Where does that ship <laughs> sail to? And what are we going to talk about and do? We're uh, all going to get on a boat and go oh, transatlantic and go see Matt in Spain. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, you and, go well, it, for for our uh, relocation Spain podcast, I mean, that's it's right. kind of necessary for us to do. Yeah, that. I think that's episode one. Okay. <laughs> uh, remind me, we've got to trademark all this by uh, yeah. by the top of the hour. 
so Infinite Dial took place, and Catherine and I were talking before uh, everybody got together. Uh, I didn't get a note about this, or somehow I, mean, I might no. have missed it. I thought that I was on an email list that would automatically. I mean, maybe when Tom Webster left Edison, he took the email <laughs> list with him. <laughs> But I didn't get a note for it, so it took place. But I, I did see it in the uh, in the trades, and the infinite dial came up. And has anybody had a chance to go through it? I, I think the it's not surprising that podcasting went up. Now, if we think back to last year, it took a when you look at the weekly numbers, and I do like to look at the weekly numbers too, because um, th- that's the one when you know you've got a podcast listener is when they're hooked on it and listening. Every week, yeah, and so the numbers. Uh, as I'm just peering off to the side here. It went down. I think there was a lot of shock and horror, but everybody was going back to work. Right. And the prior year to that was the pandemic, where everybody dove into listening to podcasts because we had nothing to do, and so people went back to work. There's a drop. We're horrified, and then this year it comes back up. And Larry Rosen, who uh, you know, he spoke to this. He said a lot of the numbers in audio have now leveled out. And we can now see that we're sort of back on a current trajectory of where we thought all this w- was going in, yeah. in the first place. So it's uh, in the survey, it's 31% or 89 million Americans listening weekly, which is up from uh, 26% in 2022. Now, it's a big jump, but again, we had irregularity in 2021. Yeah. And it's more than doubled in 10 years. I mean, just the growth is just insane. I think, Matt, you, you made the the great phrase of when's the best time to get into podcasting is right now is mm-hmm. the best time to get in because it's interesting how listening is going up. It seems like there's a lot more pod fading going on. A lot of the people who got into it in 2020, 2021 are fading away. And the real people, you know, people who are really dedicated to it are the ones that are actually sticking around and they're reaping the benefits of it now. A pod news fact that was floated this morning, I'll probably have the wrong number here, but it was about 232,000 new podcast episodes were released just last week. Hmm. That's your competition. It's not the 4 million in the podcast index that you have to go up against because Hmm. those 232,000 are, they're the ones being marketed. And then you niche it down into, you know, they're not all business interviews. They're not all true crime podcasts. They're not all uh, lawyer podcasts like David's podcasts. Um, they're, when you start to niche it down into the, the space that you actually play in, the competition right. gets even smaller and smaller and smaller. The number of podcasts that people are listening to is up. It's up to nine. So you they have an eight, have, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've got nine here. U.S. Um, U.S. Weekly podcast uh, listeners averaged nine podcasts in the last week. That's great. I, when it was six and seven, I thought we can't do anymore, but there's more. Yeah. Why? Our episodes getting shorter. Maybe there's, I think there's a lot of short form stuff out there that people can consume. Yeah. So. I have to say, because it, as Matt shared, I was out of the loop. I feel a little silly. I felt a little silly knowing, oh, it already came out. The The thing that I really missed is the witty banter on Twitter with all these as these things come out. Every year, I would find at least a couple of people, new podcasting people that I didn't know uh, that would make some very uh, insightful comments about the information coming out for Infinite Dial and get a great new follow. So uh, that's the part I'm really feeling sad about. 
So I just want to drop just the social media part of this thing because it really is we, we get questions all the time. Where what is the best place to market your show and on which one of these social media tools? So for the first time, there's Mastodon, Truth Social, and Discord, which finally got added. They've obviously sort of at the bottom, and I don't think we really have a have a formula on that yet. Facebook down, especially with younger people, but Instagram <laughs> is um, is up and TikTok is off a little bit, it appears. For what it's worth, being around some current college students this weekend, Instagram is still really massive with them, with Gen Z. That is still uh, one of their media of choice. I think Instagram made a smart move by pivoting into Reels. They basically just said, let's just clone what TikTok is doing and offer that as well. So they have the brand awareness, at least in America, that Instagram has had simply by being out longer than TikTok. Um, and they've been able to sort of mirror their model a little bit. So it's a lot, it's very easy for people to convert over to that. Also worth mentioning, if you want to have a presence on Instagram with your podcast, uh, somebody asked me recently, hey, how do I share this on Instagram? If you go to your podcast on Spotify and use the share button on Spotify, it will allow you to share that to Instagram. So if you want to have a presence on Instagram, you can do that from Spotify. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can do the same for with uh, Amazon Music now, I found out too. Excellent. Oh, wow. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Um, so for all the blah, 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 blah about Twitter in the last year, Twitter <laughs> remains the same. The rumors I mean, of, it, of Twitter's death exaggerated, apparently. God, just, like, but think of us all. We're all just like talk, 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 talk. And Twitter's going down the tubes. And now we see increased ambassador on Discord, True Social, and stuff like that. But Twitter didn't go away it's it's i never understood the people who want to up and leave because you're leaving your audience that's where your audience is they're not going to come with you so you said it's kind of have to still be there yeah fish where the fish are because even where you're even if you have x thousand number of followers they only they may not they're not going to see every single thing that you post and so that conversion rate is already so low of them even seeing your post, then interacting with your post on a daily basis, and then taking the leave of being like, oh, I'm going to leave with you and join Mastodon because your content is just so freaking amazing. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. 4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. 
If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. This podcast supports podcasting 2.0. If you like this show or getting value from it, hit the boost button now. If you don't have a boost button, you can get one now at newpodcastapps.com. Okay, so round the table, because this one I love, uh, Big Jump, is LinkedIn. That's what, yeah. Up to 26%. And so everybody talk about why they love LinkedIn and why they should be What slide are you on, Matt? I'm on the social media slide. Brand awareness? Can you share that Social media brand usage. Okay. It's social media brand usage. Okay, got it. I would say with LinkedIn, I think a lot of businesses are really coming into the realization that they need to use branded podcasts, that branded podcasts are an excellent tool to market your business. And with podcasting growing again and really growing over the last what, doubling of the last 10 years, I believe Catherine said that because of the massive growth of podcasting and awareness in the business community, uh, I think that people are realizing that LinkedIn is a great way to have your professional branded business podcast and share it there. Um, I'll go next. I'm, I'm really embedded with a lot of people that are big on Twitter. Like they use Twitter as kind of their, that's why I'm such a big advocate for it is, is all the people that I'm surrounded with are use Twitter primarily. And what I'm hearing a lot of is that Twitter's algorithm has changed. And a lot of them are kind of just reposting a lot of their content over onto LinkedIn and it seems hmm. to be performing very well. Better. So they're taking a lot of their threads and things that they're posting and writing about that would normally perform really well on Twitter is not performing as well. Now they're seeing a ton of traffic on LinkedIn. So I think they're using it as sort of just like a backup to Twitter. So at least that in my sphere, that's what I'm seeing a lot with LinkedIn. Well, I'm reminded of uh, what bank robber Willie Sutton said when they asked him why he robbed banks. He said, because that's where the money is. So <laughs> if, you want, if you're thinking about monetizing your podcast, you could do worse than, than LinkedIn simply because where businesses live, businesses, professional firms, professionals, lawyers, investment advisors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that's their world. You know, they're, they're, you know, a law firm, this is my world, so I'll speak to it, but a law firm might have a TikTok channel, but they probably don't know what they're doing on it. They probably don't know what they're doing on Instagram and they probably don't know what they're doing on Facebook, but they know exactly what they're doing on LinkedIn. And so I find that the podcast that I produce, if, if there's a professional bent to it, um, and we post the latest episode, you'll get a dozen comments just saying, hey, that's great. Hey, I can't wait to listen to this. I just find that that, that kind of traffic is worth its weight in gold because then, as we know, you can shout out all those people on the next episode of the podcast. You can use them to become sort of ambassadors for your show. And the best way to build an audience is for others to be sharing your show. And so LinkedIn, it's just it's kind of like a well-oiled machine as far as that goes. Yeah, they on LinkedIn, David, you're so right. They really push like anytime you comment on a post, their all of their followers now see the post that you commented on. Right. And right. so getting 12 comments may not seem like a lot. It's probably not a lot on Twitter. But on Twitter, those comments don't get that whole post doesn't get reshared to all of their followers. So it's just right. it's a really good kind of duplication machine to just get it in front of a ton of eyeballs. One thing with the Twitter algorithm that has changed, it is to the benefit of people who share content. So if you're a podcaster and you want to push stuff out to your audience and you're getting interaction from people, it will show up um, with 
people, you know, who are already in your audience. Yes. Who won't, they won't have to scroll through for the whole thing. So that's nice. There was one other stat, though, that I thought, uh, just going back away from the social media, too, and that was 55-plus listening did not move for podcasting, mm. which that's I think that's a little concerning. Did they all die? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'm almost there. Careful. <laughs> Philosophically, I think that, that podcasters should still continue to look at that as a potential, that, that they should see the older listener as a potential audience to reach. And having worked with a podcast that was geared to that audience, it, you know, you could, you can, if an audience is being underserved, then that should spell opportunity for you. And so I don't think that people should discount that. And, you know, the, just having that as a sort of little bit open to our 55 plus listeners. Is that a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy there, Catherine, where is it a matter of there's a perception that folks over 55 aren't listening, so there's not a lot of content being created for them? Could that be a reason for the drop? There's not enough content. Yeah, I I wonder if if there's a lot of truth to that, yeah. There's not enough content being created for them. Well, think about, I mean, the, the traditional, you know, the, the golden rule in advertising is that you're marketing to 18 to 49, 55 plus those people may have, you know, given the boomer generation, they have a way more disposable income than millennials and Gen Z and right. Gen X. Uh, but and there's way more of them now, too. There's, there's way more of them right. now, too. But, you know, the traditional advertising deal is why would we pay to be on 55 plus? We want to market to 18 to 49. Why do they people why do marketers do that? That's a family reunion, 18 to 49. <laughs> I, I find it's it really way weird. too big of a category. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jag, you put up with this for a number of years, like, you know, trying to seek out 25 to 54 all the time. Mm-hmm. Or 18 to 34 when, it, when I was in top 40 as well. And they don't have the money to spend, to Johnny's point, as yeah. 45 to 55 plus. Yeah, and these same people, these same marketers, by the way, are probably trying to use Facebook to reach them. And of course, we just saw the data that says they're abandoning Facebook. If and- you have a marketing firm and they're telling you reach your young audience with Facebook, fire your marketing firm. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook's well, for me, but it also like it also depends on who your audience is. That goes back right. to the pyramid. If your audience is not, if your audience is people above twenty five. They're probably not on TikTok. So should you focus your marketing efforts on Facebook? Maybe if that's where the majority of your audience hangs out. Um, but if your audience is, you know, 18 to 24, maybe you got to look at TikTok then. And I know this is not exactly where we're going, but this is, this is to me, this is where the YouTube question comes in for the, mm. those people who are 55 and older is because the familiarity of YouTube and you know, some of the opportunities that YouTube are, are kind of exploring with, with podcasting, I think that might be a, a way to reach that audience. Okay, so I just got to the line of scrimmage, and Catherine has made the call. We were going to talk about DAI, <laughs> but we're now going to talk about YouTube. I thought that was a natural, wasn't that, I thought that was a Pivot. beautiful natural segue. Yeah, well, I thought so too. That's why, that's why I took it. I just okay, made the call at the line of scrimmage here. So, so Omaha. It's a football Omaha. thing, Catherine. Oh, yeah, got it, yeah. <laughs> So YouTube has decided to venture into podcasting. There was again? Google Podcast. Yes. For the, for, again, they've decided to redo it. There's, there's a long toward history with this. And I'm not even sure where to, where to start with this. But if, the advice that came down a few weeks ago was to organize your video podcast in YouTube in the format of a playlist. And if you did that, then you'd be able to participate. And I just opened up my 
pod or my YouTube last night and I saw podcast. I saw the word podcast and you could create a podcast by adding the videos in there and then put the artwork up. It did not ask for an RSS feed, but I thought, okay, that's interesting. So I already had the playlist done. And then I thought to myself, well, where is this going? And is this going to be a good thing? And if I give them my RSS feed, what are they going to do with it? Are they actually going to be populating the audio every week and putting it into YouTube music, which is where I believe it's going to be headed? Or are they just going to be taking it and caching it? So from this information that we have so far, has anybody taken any steps to create their podcast and submit it to YouTube? I have a client who does an audio only podcast and we recently just started uploading them to YouTube. So I make the thumbnail, I put it up on YouTube as a video and I put them all in a playlist because Matt, I got the same option as you where it offered once I clicked on that playlist, it said set as podcast. So I did that. And so far, nothing else has changed. Not the look, not the way it shows up for people. It just is now considered a podcast. So So there's no, there doesn't seem to be any machine that input takes your rss feed it's just a way of labeling a video on YouTube. yeah it's it's essentially just it's essentially instead of calling it a playlist it's now called a podcast Hmm. but if i understand correctly it is conveniently if you had other content it is organized as a playlist automatically correct yeah yeah Yeah. it's kind of nothing (laughs) pretty much although it doesn't hurt i mean it doesn't hurt to give attention to podcasts on youtube but we okay, already knew these were podcasts, yeah. This feels like what Google Play did. Didn't they do this? They sort of asked for our RSS feeds, and then they just sort of put it all up, and it sat in the Google Play store, and it was weird. Yeah. Well, I have a couple little tidbits of anecdotal. This is, and I have to just right off the bat, it is totally anecdotal information about about the the YouTube podcasting thing. Uh, so similar to Matt, I started seeing prompts in the YouTube app for podcasting. And as I clicked through, one thing I did notice, and we we all know I like I like some offbeat topics. I like some niches of niches. I, I can get really granular there. One thing I have been noticing, though, is that very what we would call like small podcasts. They're getting good numbers for audio podcasts, but compared to other YouTube videos, they're, they would be considered low views. I'm talking about in the couple of hundreds. I've been noticing that the YouTube algorithm is promoting what smaller podcasts to me. And I thought, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. That's something that I wasn't quite expecting. But if I click through on the tab, which is to see like what YouTube is saying is podcasting, I don't see really any difference from the stuff that I would normally see as videos. So that's kind of what uh, David was saying is that, you know, what is the difference? I, I am, like I said, I am anecdotally seeing a lot of things that I otherwise would not see that are labeled as podcasts. But uh, in the in sort of the main podcast arena, I'm seeing all the typical stuff that everybody sees all the time. Anyway, did that make sense? So I'm hoping that I'm hoping that that some of the maybe the algorithms are working to boost shows that otherwise would not be seen and getting them those views or those listens that we that they might not experience uh, on other podcast platforms. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm kind of sort of cautiously optimistic about what the future holds. The other thing that I wonder is is a big opportunity is advertising back to Johnny's marketing layer of the podcast pyramid is 
I wonder how much the how impactful it's going to be if people start advertising their podcasts on YouTube, uh, you know, doing paid advertisements to get in front of those audiences and get those those eyeballs and ear holes uh, to, to pay attention to their show. So and I, I haven't quite heard a lot of people talking about that in the past before YouTube was making this move into podcasting. Every once in a while, I would see um, an audio only podcast being promoted, pay, uh, paid sponsorship. Uh, to be put in front of me. But yeah, so I'm wondering if that's really going to be what it's going to be an opportunity for some of our podcasts. I right now will not be participating in that. Because uh, right now it's USA only. So that doesn't do my audience any good. And secondly, I don't think they're going to be picking up any of my ads uh, from the DAI that I'm going to be putting out there. So I'm I'm essentially going to be doing all the work promoting the podcast for YouTube and those listeners are not going to hear the ads in my podcast. Now, mm-hmm. I don't even know if I'll be compensated for it, but we'll see. Yeah, so I think I mean I I believe that there is there are the same options that you have now, which is like if you have a, U, a YouTube video, if you have a video, you can say includes paid promotion. I think that you'll be able to do that with the podcast as well. So there wouldn't be a conflict there. But yeah, I, I'm just thinking about the the all important audience growth part is that if you can pay for other people to to get in front of people, that might be very helpful. David, you've got a pretty significant podcast with a lot of episodes in it. How are you going to handle it? You know, I'm not sure. Um, the I've just been getting a lot of my podcasts I work on onto YouTube in one way or another. But th- you're asking about YouTube, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, what, um, like how you how are you gonna put how are you gonna put all those up there and how are you gonna organize it to I mean, especially if it's gonna go into YouTube music and you've got a music podcast, that might mm. be beneficial. It also might be a problem because they might flag a lot I of was, our <laughs> podcasts. Say, are you worried about it getting pulled down if you're playing music on there? You're finally yeah. gonna get caught. The, the <laughs> Johnny Johnny Ampass is gonna finally catch up or, or what is it? The Johnny Law. Yeah, it's well, gonna I'll, finally catch up with you. All right. So first of all, I'm I'm squarely within the boundaries of what is legal under the U.S. Copyright Act, and I'm I'm quite confident of that. However, YouTube is notorious for um, blocking copyright protected music, and we know why they do it. They would they you know they don't want you to be able to go to you know uh, steal the music and which everybody does anyways. But so the the to answer your question, Matt, I think um, I'm not sure I have a plan. My plan is to get podcast on youtube period and i i think it's more a sense of um it's more i think it's more important to do it going forward if you're if you're a, a podcaster trying to move up that pyramid and you're worried about getting all your back episodes manually adding them to youtube which it's it, from what i hear you would have to do that right because it still doesn't accept an rss feed yeah, yeah unless so. unless they do the rss feed what i would recommend david if you were going to do that I would just find someone on Fiverr to do it. Be like, I need you. I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to create a YouTube login. I'm going to create a YouTube account. It's going to be a random email that I make and a random password. So that way this person that you're hiring doesn't, you know, you're not giving them your email access. Um, and just say, here's MP3 files of everything. Here's the thumbnail that I need. I'll pay you 50 bucks to upload every single one of these. And that's, that's probably the best way to go. And, yeah. and so, yes, I may do that, but if, um, you don't mind talking about that other issue briefly because it, it will become an issue for a lot of people. The um, Spotify police 
have emerged. Not YouTube. I again, I don't, I don't know whether uh, YouTube's going to go crazy with podcasts to knock out what they deem copyright protected material. But I've been getting emails from Spotify. I don't know if you guys have been getting these. Um, it says, "Hi there. We wanted to let you know that there appears to be third party content in your podcast, and additional information is needed to continue interrupted playback." Please review within 72 hours to avoid potential um, uh, cancellation or whatever. And so what it, what then you click through to that. I was trying to do it, but it's not working. But anyway, you, it, it has it'll name like the, it gave me my music podcast. It gave me the songs that were that appeared in the podcast. And then it said the options were and I wish I had this in front of me, but it was like it was like, yeah, I'll, uh, I don't have copyright rights to this i will fix it you could click on that or you can click on i disagree this is not third-party content or the most important one is this is uh, approved use under the under the fair use exception to the copyright act for commentary criticism parody or there's another one i'm forgetting and and good on spotify for recognizing that that is a thing because it is a thing and and on my music podcast we play clips of you know you know there's maybe five to ten seconds of uninterrupted music and then it's the host and i talking over it and commenting on it which is exactly what the fair use thing is there for so good on you spotify it's going to be a pain in the ass every time i post one of these to click through and tell them yes 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 i'm using this legally but better than just wiping it off like youtube probably still yeah, does YouTube will, just, youtube will just nuke your channel and you're yeah. right yeah you don't even see it coming um, I had a, one note from Spotify. It wasn't my podcast. It was another one. And it was because a radio ID had a Luke Combs song in it. Oh, and they were just profiling the radio station. But there's about 20 seconds of the song in there, which was enough. And I, I just took it out. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, should be interesting to see how uh, all this sort of shakes out and that we all have different strategies. One thing I would like to point out is Johnny... This show runs on your channel and my channel on YouTube. We could both submit the podcast That's what twice. I was going to do. I was just looking over out to the side. I was just going to set all of the live, because all the only live videos I've done have been this podcast. So I was just going to set it all as, as a playlist and make that a podcast. Because I, I played with the podcast tab that Catherine was talking about. And it does, she's right, it does whittle down everything that you would normally see. You know, I'm not seeing NBA highlights anymore. It's all, you know, podcasts that I would consume on YouTube. So it's. Yeah. It, I think it'd be worth it. So at, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you for this going around? There's a 5. Catherine? 6.1. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> David, I'll go five got a lot of, David, how excited are you with all the work you have to do? To- <laughs> well, that's just that's just it. it. It's I See, when people used to ask me about YouTube, I used to say, file it under nice to have, but not essential, because podcasts are an audio creature. But I'm getting tugged more into that world, and I understand we need to be there. But it's, it's, to me, it's just it's practicality. If you're a busy podcaster, you're probably not going to spend a ton of time creating a video version of your podcast. Um, you, but you want it up there in some way, shape, form, or fashion to be uh, redundant. Anyway, let me counterpoint so, to you, Dave. Yeah. Dave, um, because yeah. 
I would say probably six because there's a lot of discovery happening on YouTube. It would be nice. My dream would be for YouTube to somehow incorporate the RSS feed. So when you're how many people are listening to your podcast, you can say, well, I have this many on the podcast, but then this many on YouTube and combine the two numbers. It'd be nice. If it was one number. You had it ready to give somebody. But there are tools like Headliner, for example, that you can set up an automation to auto post your podcast to YouTube. I use that for a couple of clients that when that podcast publishes within an hour, it's on YouTube and it takes the show notes and it takes all that puts it in the description done and done. And it's not a heavy lift on the uh, editor of the podcaster, Dave. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I think you should be on YouTube. Absolutely. But I, I don't think, um, uh, it's, it's not going to move you too far up the pyramid. It's not at uh, this point, but heck for all we know, getting on YouTube increases your audience by 25 to 30%. I'm just, I just made that number up, but or at least it, it, it at least it's going to increase your podcast being found by Google searches. You know, it just makes it. Um, yeah, I think it's a little bit unique to podcasts, which specific podcasts too, because there are some podcasts that have more followers on YouTube than they do on the traditional RSS feed, and some that are vice versa. So it's kind of back to the beginning we talked about about knowing your audience, figuring out where they're consuming your content, and really embracing that piece of it wherever they're coming in strongest. And we all know that a YouTube uh, hit, what do, what do we call it? Um, views. <laughs> a YouTube view, I think to us, doesn't carry the same weight as a, as a podcast download. However, if this is the new world, then maybe you, you, we're going to be just displaying two types of stats whenever, say, a potential sponsor asks you for what your download numbers are. Here are my downloads. Here are my views on YouTube. I'm not sure. Well, they have asked for... RSS feeds, so we will be submitting them at oh. some point. And yeah. so the question is, are they going to just take those, you know, the content from the RSS feed and cache it and keep it, or is it going to be, you know, passed through and whatnot? So it's how well, how is that? It's going to be interesting to see how they how they do it. And, and then go ahead, Catherine. No, you go, Johnny. No, mine's mine's taking it in a different direction. Well, I, and I was going to say, David, make you make me think of, of I. <laughs> Again, let me get philosophical here for a second. I think that in earlier podcasting, we were so passionate about making a distinction between we're not radio, we're not video, we're something special and different. And in that process, now that YouTube is coming back as a viable option for our shows, there's a little bit of like a almost like we're having to retread or uh, the word that's coming to my mind that's not quite right is like sort of like a pride of like letting go of that that differentiation and coming back to YouTube and saying, yes, we want to be here and put things out with gusto. So, and maybe that, maybe I'm, maybe I'm sharing a little bit too about my own psychology about it, but I I do see that as, as part of the, part of the issue here. Any agreement on that or thoughts on that? I, I agree. And I'll add one more wrinkle. And that is that I was listening to a podcast the other day, which when asked to name the top uh, some expert, Sorry, I don't remember who it was, but what asked to name what the top ways to grow their audience are that are kind of now and new and happening. The first one he said was live streaming, which is why the five of us hip happening, cutting edge people are doing this live stream right now. <laughs> but what it, and it's just to me, if, if you're a, if you're an aspiring podcaster, you're trying to grow your audience. It's like now your head's going to explode. It's like, well, now I got to be on YouTube and I got a live stream like <clears throat> but he, he brought up a couple of good points. And that is there are things you can do on a live stream that you simply can't do on a regular recorded podcast, you can do calls to action and you can, you can touch your audience immediately. 
you can hear you can hear from them. You know, if you if you get you start to, you know, you do what you do when you start. You ask twelve of your friends, hey, do me a favor and just watch my live stream. You know, so and share it afterwards if you can. And so then maybe you start to develop an audience. You can do instant things like you know sign up for our you know email newsletter. You can put that up and have them do it immediately. And you can have people contribute to your to your show. You know uh, the virtual tip jar or whatever, however they do it. Certain platforms have this. And certain people are, are making money off of this. So sorry if I went a far field there, but it was on my mind. I scared Jag off. I, no, I was, I was watching Jag have an existential crisis with whatever's going on <laughs> down in his world over there. So I went, I've, we've shaken Jag's world. Yeah. Johnny, did you want to take us in a different direction? It was just one final tag on the YouTube thing. It's um, You can even kind of just split the difference once they start letting you access rss feeds you upload your rss feed but i still think that you should consider videoing your podcast even if it's just for clips because when i talked to daniel daniel j lewis on my podcast he's very anti youtube being a podcast platform which is fine everyone can have that opinion but he did you know concede and compromise and say like it's a great opportunity to share 5 10 12 minute clips of your podcast and if those are on video and then that pushes someone to the RSS feed that's still on YouTube you're not asking them to leave YouTube and go to Spotify go right. to Google Podcasts go to Apple just click right below boom RSS feed audio only podcast now they're hooked onto your show or they're just someone who just consumes the clips so i i think there's sort of a middle ground that we can all be happy with Agreed. All right, let's check in to see how Jag's doing. Jag, are you winning the war over there against your computer? He is not. Okay. So um, he is losing currently to, uh, I guess that might be the bots there. That I like that that blue steel look, though, he's got going. Oh, now he's yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the last one that came up here, this was uh, last Monday. Uh, Johnny put out his newsletter, and in the newsletter, he said that, commented about DAI. DAI, by the way, stands for Dynamic Ad Insertion. So from this point forward, when you hear DAI, it means dynamic ad insertion. I've never heard of a debate involving whether DAI is good or bad because me, I believe it is all good. So tell me about the ongoing sort of struggles between the two, Johnny. And, and it's confirmation and, bias, Matt. You are so pro DAI coming from the radio <laughs> world. This is what you live. I mean, um, from the conversations that I've had with either their clients of mine or other podcasters online, there's a big camp of people that say, I would much rather just burn an ad onto my podcast. I don't care if I could make more money potentially by swapping them out. It takes the listeners out of the show because it's not my voice. It's some crap. And obviously not Matt. Matt does amazing voiceover. But it's some <laughs> crack, crackpot voiceover artist recording in their kitchen for iHeart saying like, go buy, uh, you know, healthcareinsurance.govusa. Like, it's just not the type of content that it's not the ads that my audience wants to see. It doesn't fit with my audience. The levels are off. It's terrible. I can't fit it in the right area of my podcast. I'm just not into it. So there is that camp. And then there's the camp that Matt's in, which is very pro DAI. We think it's great for podcasters. It's less work. You can make more money. You can utilize your back catalog. You don't have to spend the extra time burning an ad that you have to record yourself. You don't have to go out and find the sponsors yourself. You can do it all online without having to really talk to people. Um, so I see that there, I see that there's these two sides of DAI. And I think that ultimately we're just so early on in it that there are the two camps. And as technology continues to increase, there will be better discovery, better alignment between advertisers and hosts, better optionality for, and Matt, there is technology that you've talked about where you can be very specific as the host of, I don't want these ads. I only want these types of ads. I think just 
it just needs more time. And as time progresses, I think the DII will be the primary way that people do podcast advertising. And if you want to split the difference now, Jag made a great point a couple of live streams ago. You can just use DAI to promo your own stuff. You yeah. can do your own recording. You can make the levels great. You can use your own microphone. That way you're in control of all the content that's being put out there. But you can still utilize DAI and all that it has to offer. But just to be clear, when you say you said DAI and then there are ads coming in that sort of you, you don't have anything to do with, that doesn't have to be DAI, right? I mean, you can set your own. You can create your own ads. You can approve your own ads and have only them run. That's what yes. I do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a misnomer there, I think, about DAI to Johnny's point is that it's not, you know, mattress firm and zip recruiter coming in and spamming your audience. It's whatever you want in your show. So the A in DAI, the ad is a little bit of a misnomer because it should really be DCI, should be dynamic content insertion. It dynamic doesn't have to audio be audio insertion. Mm. Yeah. I stand corrected. Thank you, Matt. I need more coffee. Uh, but yeah. yeah. But but I think people think of it as dynamic ad insertion. I'm going to kick save into beauty there. But I think it's going to be um, – I, I think it's important to remember that it doesn't have to be a commercial. It can be a promo for your show to – you know, and I mentioned – this is what I mentioned a couple uh, times ago is that it's uh, – you know, the, the radio podcast I did, we used it to sell tickets to our banquet. I had an ad that ran, hey, get your tickets now. It's this price. And then that changed. Hey, get your tickets. It's this price. Hey, get your tickets. It's this price. Every time the ticket price went up, and I used that with it with a marker, so I didn't have to reprogram fifty episodes every time. We really need to do an all DAI episode sometime. Put that on. The yeah, we. I think we probably could do one and talk about all the different ways that it can be used and the dynamic audio insertion episode, as it were. Um, I know a lot of. It, I think a lot of people are you know, confused by it, but what does it mean? So you put a mid-roll marker in and then there's the line. And then what happens next? Well, it could be a mattress firm ad, but it can also be one of your ads. And it depends. Like I'm in Spain right now and I'm getting Spanish ads. So I'm getting paid it. for stuff. So Poor kid. Um, So with that <laughs> said, I'm going to mark that down as a show idea, Catherine. Thank you. Um, thanks a lot. We got, it's, it's six o'clock here in Spain. I like it's siesta time for me. <laughs> I don't know what time it is for the rest of you, but um, anyhow, going around, everybody give yourself a plug and thanks for doing this this week. Uh, I'm John Gay, Jag in Detroit podcast. You can find me on social at Jag in Detroit or on my website, jagindetroit.com. Thanks for being here, everybody. My name's Catherine O'Brien. You can find me on Twitter at hello, Catherine O. Uh, David Yaz in Boston, pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. We produce podcasts remotely or in Boston. And if you're interested, because I know you are about that music podcast I keep talking about, it's called <laughs> Past Tens, and you can find all about it at the website, timemachinepod.com. Johnny Podcast, go find me on Substack, the Johnny Podcast newsletter. I'm Matt Cundell, currently in Malaga, Spain, with the Sound Off Podcast Network. Thanks a lot for joining us. We'll do it again next month. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Super Friends. For a transcript of the show or to connect with the Super Friends, go to the show notes of this episode or go to soundoff.network. Produced and distributed by the SoundOff Media Company. You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man Podcast. Join me, host Mike C., as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. 
Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com. Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.